A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Previously on Detective. Burglary is where you learn to interrogate people. Homicide is a lot different. If you can work a burglary, you certainly can work a homicide. It comes down to the interrogation. The fact is, is that there's a reason why someone kills someone. Due to the graphic nature of the content, Detective may not be suitable for all audiences. Guilty people talk. They don't realize all the things that they said in the uh, interrogation. And I've had defense attorneys say, he said that he thought you were his friend. Body language gets exploited. You know, you see all the experts on TV. Yeah, well, he did this. His eyes went up to the right. Yeah, that's, that's bull****. I think if you confess a murder to me, that you got to kind of prove it to me. That's Detective Rod Demery. He's gotten a lot of suspects to tell him a lot of things. Criminals seem to want to confide in him. So what is it that really sets him apart? I'm Garnsey Sloan for Investigation Discovery, and this is Season 3 of Detective, True Stories from Behind the Yellow Tape, the ones you don't hear on TV. This episode, Confession. I don't think there's anything that anyone does that they don't want to tell anybody about. I think the question is whether or not they want to tell you. I think there's a, an environment that you have to provide to give someone the opportunity to make that confession. I truly believe that everyone wants to confess. I absolutely don't think that there's anything that somebody would be able to hold that large without telling somebody. I don't know if there are any scientific studies done on it, but I think it's virtually impossible to do something like that and not confide in someone. But what do you think that is innately in our human nature? Is it a need to want the other person to understand why or the weight on your shoulders? What do you think is sort of the motivating factor? I don't necessarily believe that it's a need to display some sort of remorse because I don't think that's it. That may be the motivation for some people, but some people want to brag about it. Some people want to be validated. Some people want to 
be understood. I think it's a human expression. I just don't believe someone who's not a complete psychopath, <laughs> you know, has the ability to deal with all that anxiety and that pressure and not release it somewhere. I think it has to be manifested in some form. Can you tell what type of person or what type of confessor they're going to be sort of even going into it? Or does that come out through the course of conversation? I think during the course of conversation, you don't necessarily understand what type of person they may be, but you understand what type of interview you need to tailor it to. There are some people that need that shoulder to cry on. There are some people that need that person who understands them or they believe understands them. So I think your approach and the interrogation is assessing that. It has to be done within milliseconds. It's not something that you can wait for. If you uh, begin a conversation with someone and the slightest mistake, they're going to shut down. So it's very difficult to figure that out without asking a series of questions or getting a temperature for the conversation before you do it. You can kind of determine what type of person they are, and you should approach it that way. Do you always approach them as if they're, they're your best friend? Like, do you always make the friendship first, or how do you how do you sort of navigate the waters to get to that place? Initially, I just approach them in a way where I'm objective and non-judgmental. Um, the other thing is to be non-threatening. I think that kind of builds that rapport. And after someone confesses something so intimate to you that they naturally feel like there's some sort of friendship or some kinship there. I don't know if it's anything that you actually go into trying to establish because I think that'd be a miserable failure. Once that person makes that effort, you have to allow it to grow. I've actually had people in court that have confessed and prior to maybe a trial or something, and they don't realize all the things that they said in the uh, interrogation. And I've had defense attorneys say, uh, he said that he thought you were his friend. It's not anything that you offer him or anything that you say. It's just that you give him that, that avenue. I think they're relieved that they've told someone and they think they've told someone that they can really trust. They just kind of abandon the fact that there's going to be this huge consequence afterwards. They're overwhelmed by whatever emotion it is that they're experiencing at that time. And uh, once they get it out, you know, they feel so much better. You see that relief, but then that reality sits in and they realize that I'm going to prison and all that changes. At what point after the confession do you charge them? Usually immediately or after I confirm it. I don't think that a confession is something that's standalone. Anybody can say they did something. If you confess a murder to me, you got to kind of prove it to me. There are certain things that you have to tell me that, that are exclusive or only within your knowledge. For instance, if you tell me you shot somebody, then yeah, I'm probably going to want you to tell me where the gun is and where did you shoot them or part of their body. If you can tell me that, you know, I shot him in the chest once and in the back twice and I threw the gun on 32nd Street in a drainage ditch and that, no, you pretty much are telling me the truth. Just to say you did it, though, it's not enough. But not everyone who confesses is actually guilty. There is a thing uh, such as a false confession and I think an effort to avoid that. You don't just need corroboration. You need them to corroborate whatever it is you're looking for. I, I had a case where uh, there was an auto parts store that was robbed. Uh, at gunpoint, guy goes in with a gun. Hey, give me all your money. I think maybe patrol picked the guy up, thought he was the guy who did it, brought him in my office, and I interviewed him. Within the first couple of minutes, he said he didn't do it. And I said, okay, well, 
general questions. You know, well, they saw you in the area. You know, you were in the same clothes or whatever the case may be. And he said, okay, I did it. I said, you did it? And I'm like, well, okay, well, what happened? And he said, well, I went in the store and I robbed him. And I said, well, what kind of gun did you have? And he said, what kind of gun did I have? And I'm like, dude, what? <laughs> and he said, um, well, I thought that's what you wanted me to say. I was like, man, dude, don't ever confess to some shit you didn't do. You didn't go to prison. Moved down, it's 15 to 99 years for armed robbery. What made him do that? I have no idea. It's important not to lead someone in, in an interrogation because they can just repeat what you say in maybe a different way. But you have to have a key piece of information that only they would know the answer to. It's very difficult for someone to explain that they shot somebody with a 9mm pistol and they threw it on 72nd Street in their drainage ditch and that evidence be there. Or, you know, I shot him and then he ducked, you know, and then that autopsy shows that there's a slight slant in the trajectory or something that's key and you have to be able to obtain that information. He ducked and there's a bullet in the wall at the crime scene. Right. Yeah. I've always been more focused on someone telling me how they did it, what they did, and how I can corroborate it, rather than their motivation. It's very difficult to prove what's in someone's mind. And in Louisiana, motivation is not required to convict somebody for a murder. So you don't have to prove a motive, you just have to prove the murder. Detective Rod Demery has a reputation for being able to see through the lies. And it doesn't have anything to do with body language. That's next. Top investigator, Rod Demery has seen the inside of a lot of interrogation rooms. How does he make sure that his confessions are above board? There are different kinds of confessions, right? When do you need to advise them of the nuances of wanting a lawyer or not wanting a lawyer, all of that stuff? Does that ever come into play in the time that you were serving in homicide? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you, you can't use any statement that someone gives you before you have Miranda's. It's just that simple. And if somebody says they want a lawyer, then it ends. It's over. That's it. The first thing that you have to do is advise someone of their rights and make sure they understand their rights. And not just tell them, because you're going to have to go through a series of pretrial hearings where you have to establish that, you know, you didn't coerce this person. You didn't make them say it. You didn't trick them or whatever. So you have to make sure they understand their rights. It's just not enough to read someone their rights. I mean, typically when I read someone their rights, I say, you know, you have the right to remain silent and I follow up with, you know, you don't have to say anything if you don't want to. I'll go even a step further. You have the right to an attorney or you want a lawyer, it's up to you. Or anything you say, you will be using against you. Anything you say, I'm going to use against you. You know, you don't have to answer any questions and actually tell them. You can say, detective, I don't want to talk to you. In all of your career, who are the people that go, no, I, I thought he was my best friend. I'm going to tell him everything and not say, I'm going to remain silent and I want a lawyer. If you have a, a an investigation, you have pretty much what you need, and that person is confident that you have what you need. They're going to tell you what you need to know, and they're not going to tell you for your benefit. They're going to tell you for their benefit. 
That's their first contact with police or the system. And if they feel like they can't get out of this, they're going to start their record at that point. From the time I was arrested, I just said I didn't do this or this. And they maybe want to deny it, but to get absolutely nothing from a suspect is, uh, yeah, scary. Would most people tell you a story over lawyering up because they think? It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Well, I can tell the story in a way that doesn't incriminate me. And that'll satisfy them to release me? I mean, guilty people talk. Innocent people, pretty comfortable in not talking. What do you think people's motivations are in terms of when they're selling you bullshit? I think it's, um, I think um, for a guilty person, it's the same thing that, that got them there in the first place. They think they can actually change reality and uh, make things the way they want it to be. If you have that thought process or a mindset where, you know, I don't like this person or this person did something to me, I'll, I'll just kill them. Clearly you think, well, I'll just tell this investigator or, or the police, whatever, and they're going to believe this shit. <laughs> yeah. A rational thinking person is usually not going to kill somebody. And um, they're, they're going to understand, you know, there are certain things that they don't have to explain. Clearly, if uh, you're accused of a murder and you're in San Francisco, California, when it happened, you don't feel the need to explain that to a police officer. They come get you, you're going to say, oh, yeah, whatever, I didn't do it. I think I probably need to talk to a lawyer because you're thinking, why are they trying to rope me into this? But if you did this, they're going to try to explain it to somebody. That's usually what happens. Some people just want to tell you, you know, hey, I didn't do this. Um, there are certain ways that people express things that make you understand that, no, they didn't do it. 
or, you know, they're so confident about it, you know, so confident about what they're saying is they couldn't have done it. I don't know, it's kind of a, a trial and error thing, and it, you've got to kind of have a sense or a feel for what's going on inside an interrogation room. If you're, if you're not accustomed to it or you're not comfortable there, you're not going to succeed in it. You have to be there and, and understand it and understand what someone's communicating to you. That's why I say, you know, the biggest thing a police officer or a detective has to learn is communication. It's not just expressing something. It's understanding how someone says something, how they deliver it, you know, the inflection, the, the words they choose or their body language, you know, you know, body language gets exploited. You know, you see all the experts on TV. Yeah, well, he did this. His eyes went up to the right. That's bullshit. They do say what if you if you yeah, look left yeah, you're yeah. lying or yeah, whatever. Yeah, whatever. Uh, you know. Do you believe in any <laughs> no, of that? I, I, no, actually, I don't. And the reason I don't believe that is because if it was so easy to find out if someone were lying, we wouldn't have so many liars. That's just bull. It's just like a, a polygraph test, you know. So what do you look for? You look for what's inside that person and what they're giving you. You know, if it's the subtle things that you can't really explain. Subtleties are detective stock and trade. If his gut tells him something, he knows he shouldn't ignore it. At least not until the evidence tells him otherwise. There were two detectives that were working a, a homicide case, and um, a young girl was involved in the case. And they had both talked to her, and uh, she denied any involvement or knowing anything or, or what was going on. And for whatever reason, one of the detectives asked me to go with them to pick something up or drop something off or get another question from this girl. I had a general conversation with her, and the detective was there. And it really wasn't even about the murder. It was just a general conversation. But as we were leaving the porch, she grabbed my left arm and hugged me by. And I said, well, she's guilty. Why did you think she was guilty in that moment? It just comes out. For whatever reason, she felt to express some sort of physical contact. It was almost like, hey, hold on a second. I've got something more to say. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think that's probably more precise than somebody's eyes going up into the left or down into the right. I mean, it's just uh, somebody expresses an emotion. That's why it's so very important to not necessarily interview somebody, particularly on a, a case for homicide, but to kind of get an idea where they are. And they're going to let you know. If they don't let you know, you're just not going to find out. The key is, as an investigator, you have to know what that cue is. Because you're not going to say it. You have to be able to be engaged enough to know what expression means what. But what about the people who can't let a detective know? At least not in any traditional sense. So let me ask you this. There have been a lot of high-profile cases involving underage minors or people with emotional disabilities that have confessed to crimes. Have you ever come against one of those circumstances? I'm not really comfortable interviewing juveniles. I do with their parents there because you have to, one. Two, I like to make sure that their parents can express what they need to say and what they don't need to say. Someone who has a, an intellectual disability or, or some sort of challenge or even somebody that's intoxicated, I just don't want to talk to them. I don't really quite understand why someone would interview or interrogate somebody like that. I guess there's a use for it, maybe to gain some intel, but I don't know that it's something that should be used to prosecute or convict somebody. I just don't believe in it. I think it's exploitation, actually, and I think it's pathetic. How do you deal with people who commit a crime that have 
those disabilities or those, you know, when the detectives interviewed Burke Ramsey without his parents in the room after Jean Bonnet was killed and asked him a series of questions about the events of that night. Or Brendan Dassey, the low IQ cohort of Stephen Avery in the Making of the Murderer trial. What's the general approach there? Well, fortunately, where I worked, um, we had uh, a place that was called the Gingerbread House. Very good organization. They're trained in those type things. They usually conduct the interviews, and we just kind of sit in a remote room and ask them to ask whatever questions we need. One, they're trained to do it. Two, they have the education experience and know how to do it. In terms of interviewing minor children? Minor children, or, you know, there are even some some advocacy centers that can actually help with intellectually or mentally impaired. And I would much rather give that to someone who's capable of doing that. I just don't feel comfortable doing it, and I really don't think any police officer should do it. We're not trained to do that. No, I talk to criminals, functional criminals, and people that actually know what they did. I'm not equipped to deal with someone that has emotional challenges. I think it's probably an issue that needs to be, and I think it will be addressed. There are so many people that are trained in forensic interviews and and examinations that spend a great deal of time, you know, grad school and college, or, or medical school for that matter, to take on that job because they are clearly more experienced than a police officer. A police officer's job is to talk to someone that they understand and that person understands them. The minute you put someone at a disadvantage, whether it be because they're under the influence of an, an alcoholic beverage or they they feel like they're being forced to say something, then I don't know that your statement is valid. And I don't say that because I have this bleeding heart for people that may say something they should say. I know I just think the the integrity of the, the investigation is, is, is paramount. If you put someone in a tough position, they're going to confess to whatever the hell they want to confess to to get out of there. Talk to me a little bit about interrogation rules, rules of engagement, if you will. Like, you shouldn't keep them over six, eight hours. There's a window where you push the limit, right? Where people just start to say whatever it is they need to say to get out of the room. As far as, um, you know, you put somebody in a cold room or you turn on lights, you put them with the phone book, you gotta let common sense. You don't even need some sort of standard operating procedure. I mean, you know, somebody's been here an hour, they might have to pee. Or, you know, they're scared or they're cold. If you if you do it properly, hey, you need to go to the bathroom, you know, are you cold? You give them a jacket, something to drink, or, or whatever the case may be. That's, you know, I, I think probably uh, interrogation is probably a thing of the past. It's actually an interview. I mean, interrogation is, um, you're, you're pointed. You want somebody to say one particular thing. And I think if you're into it too much, you might get them to say it. The only problem is, is that it might not be correct. I think what's worked for me best has been that. You just give somebody the opportunity to say it. But treat them with care, treat them with humanity. Well, I mean, the reality is, is why are you pissed? You know, you're an investigator. What are you mad at? And I've seen that. It's pretty simple. It's like a kid. If you tell your kid something in a, in a calm, authoritative voice, they're going to probably behave you. But if you're emotional and screaming, they're going to look at you like you're stupid because they don't understand that type of, of behavior. It's the same with the suspect. If you have lost that much control in the interrogation, you clearly don't know what the f*** you're doing. Next time on Detective... It took me probably about 15 years before I even went to visit my brother in prison. 
you know, because I just was uh, pretty angry about the decisions that he made. I think the choice that he made is his choice. Detective is part of the Panoply Network and was made for America's leading mystery and suspense network, Investigation Discovery, by DeFacto Sound, a sound design team dedicated to making television, film, and games sound insanely cool. It was produced by Mylan Fitzwater Barrows with help from Stephanie Wilkes. Production oversight by producers Emily Kaiser and Elizabeth Stevenson and executive producers Amy Angelowitz, Garnsey Sloan, and Lorna Thomas. It was recorded by Chip Sovek. Additional recording and mix by Kenneth Gilbert and Nick Spradlin. Original music was composed by Chris Kennedy. Cover art was designed by Anand Glott. Special thanks to Detective Rod Demery for sharing his story with us, as well as Sean Barrows, Anastasia Brown, Judy Fitzwater, Hilary Heskett Shapiro, Heather Holloman, Sam Sneebly, Ash Sevilla, and Dallas Taylor. Subscribe on iTunes to get new episodes of Detective on your feed. And if you like the podcast, rate and review it. Check out Detective Rod Demery's new television show, Murder Chose Me, only on Investigation Discovery. I'm your host, Garnsey Sloan. Thanks for listening. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Summer's just around the corner, so give your body the care it deserves with Osea's best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil. Created by infusing Andaria seaweed in barrels of botanical oils, it leaves skin silky soft and glowing. Plus, it's clinically proven to improve elasticity and deeply moisturize without feeling greasy. It's safe, clean, vegan skincare. Get 10% off your first order at oseamalibu.com with code GLOW, plus free shipping on orders over $60.